Compliance is a profession where people work tirelessly to make the world a better place. And there are hundreds of amazing and inspiring women who have helped the field develop into what it is today. Great Women in Compliance is part of the Compliance Podcast Network. So join Mary Shirley and Lisa Fine as they talk with women in compliance who are making a difference. Welcome to the Great Woman in Compliance podcast with Lisa Fine and Mary Shirley. If you enjoy our podcast, you will probably also enjoy our book called Sending the Elevator Back Down, What We've Learned from Great Women in Compliance, published by CCI Press in 2020. It's a compilation of the stories chronicling uh, successes and learnings and motivation from women in the field. If you've already read it, we'd be so grateful if you would give it a review on Amazon or Goodreads. And the same goes for our podcast. Please, would you kindly send the elevator back down to us and other women looking for new resources by giving us a good rating and kind review if you feel it is deserved. One of the lovely contributors to our book is Ola Tucker, and today I'm very pleased to welcome Ola to the episode, and we'll be focusing on anti-money laundering compliance. Welcome, Ola. Tell us about yourself. Hi, Mary. Thank you for having me on your podcast. It's a pleasure. Um, So a little bit about myself. My educational background is in the law. I went to law school, was admitted to the bar. However, rather than taking the sort of traditional law firm route, I took my first position in the International Compliance Department at AIG, and then eventually with MetLife. Um, While there, I specialized in anti-money laundering, anti-corruption, and international sanctions. I wrote policies and procedures. I conducted internal testing. I developed and delivered compliance training. So I did this for about over 10 years. And then I took a job as a BSA AML compliance officer here in Delaware at a local trust company where I implemented, managed, and oversaw the AML compliance uh, department for the company. Then in 2019, I started my own compliance consulting business, Compliance Notes, where I provide freelance writing and copywriting content development, all focused on compliance, um, as well as compliance training to the financial services industry. I also teach compliance and anti-financial crimes courses, including anti-money laundering and anti-corruption at Widener University Delaware Law School. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your very significant contributions to the compliance community and your latest contribution. Big congratulations to you as you've just published a new book on anti-money laundering compliance, uh, and it's called The Flow of Illicit Funds, a case study approach to anti-money laundering compliance. What was the impetus for creating this book and deploying case studies as a way to convey information to the reader? Yes, um, I've had the idea for this book for a long time. Mm -hmm. So throughout my career, I've done a lot of compliance training. So Mm -hmm. internal corporate compliance training. I taught numerous compliance classes at Widener. I did webinars. And I've always wanted to write a book about the subject that I Mm -hmm. was teaching. Um, I saw that there were many relevant and often quite juicy news stories, Mm -hmm. current events, and scandals out there that I thought made great case studies. Mm -hmm. And I found that these could be incorporated into the training and make the subject more interesting Mm -hmm. and just more engaging overall for the audience when you relate something, you know, current that they may have heard in the news or in real life. So that's really where the idea for my book came from. 
Um, the trainings that I had attended previously were, um, you know, generally rather dry. They just mm-hmm. present money laundering as like a three-step process and don't really um, give relevant examples. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just wanted to find a way to make the training more relatable and interesting. And I decided to write a book about that. I think that's really smart. One of the uh, continuous pieces of feedback that my team gets as educators in a um, a healthcare organization is that people want to see and hear about uh, real life case scenarios. So for you to have deployed a scenario approach to presenting the content in your book, I think is really giving people what they want, really smart way to do it. And it's, it's, it's different, right? Like we don't really see that a lot in compliance. Um, And I can just imagine how um, amazed and, and pleased you must feel right now that this is something that you'd thought about for a long time. And finally, it's culminated in a deliverable and you can hold it in your hand. Right. Yes. I'm very excited about that. Yes. (laughs) Well done. Um, And so um, I want to talk to you a little bit more about some of the substantive uh, money laundering risks. And we know that they're particularly heightened for those working in financial services compliance and uh, when you work in compliance departments for luxury goods companies, for example, but money laundering risks um, for other companies still exist. And I think there was a really interesting um, situation that we saw during the pandemic of um, funeral homes being used as vehicles to launder money. So um, aside um, aside from your um, uh, uh, from from some of those um, key key risk areas. Um, what are some of the other risks to think about if you're not in financial services? Why why should we still care about uh, money laundering? Yeah, money laundering. So criminals um, are opportunists. Basically, we've seen they've taken advantage of COVID, um, working from home. Um, there are a lot of money laundering pitfalls and schemes out there, and they're constantly evolving, right? Mm-hmm. Criminals adjust to new regulations coming out. Mm-hmm. Um, they adjust to new technologies. So, for example, in the past few years, um, there's been an increase, not just from COVID, but naturally with technology, an increase of people working from home, an increase in online financial activity, mm-hmm. um, all, all kinds of financial activity online has increased. Likewise, so have financial crimes, mm-hmm. cyber crimes, money laundering activity, and not just for financial institutions. We see this, you know, we see cyber crime affecting hospitals, educational Mm -hmm. institutions also, right, with these ransomware Mm -hmm. attacks and things like that. Um, Another big one are money mule schemes. They have increased in very recent years. They just take advantage of um, innocent victims in a lot of cases. Mm -hmm. And um, people really need to be aware of this. So in these cases, um, the entire criminal scheme from recruitment of money mule or victim mm-hmm. through the laundering is done completely online. And it's important for financial institutions and other organizations to train their employees, not just on red flags mm-hmm. um, related to these kind of things, but also, like we said before, giving examples of exactly what can happen, mm-hmm. um, highlighting the latest schemes um, that you see occurring. Mm-hmm. Um, another big risk risk 
that we've seen in recent years is related to the misuse of shell companies, right? Mm. Um, corporate transparency um, has become a big thing um, because of the misuse of these legal entities and the anonymity that they provide. Mm -hmm. Um, So it's particularly important now also in light of current events with Russian sanctions to educate um, and train employees on um, the misuse of shell companies, also highlight um, not just sanctions screening and sanctions training in your organization and conduct the sanctions screening, but also KYC, know your customer, due diligence, things like that are especially important right now. Awesome. Thank you. And aside from your book, which is, of course, an excellent resource on um, uh, money laundering issues, what are um, some of the resources that you would recommend for compliance officers who aren't experts in money laundering, but still need to know about it and put um, put in place proportionate measures to prevent money laundering in their compliance programs? Yeah, there are actually a lot of very good resources out there. And I think it's just a matter of doing the research and knowing where to look. Mm -hmm. So, for example, there are a number of professional organizations which are really, really good, such as ACAMS, the Association Mm -hmm. of um, Money Laundering Specialists. There's also the Association of Financial Crime Specialists and others. So not only do these groups offer certifications and formal training, They usually also have free webinars if you're not ready to commit, if you kind of want to check out or just learn some stuff. There are a lot of free webinars and they have um, offer great resources if you just check out their websites and they provide great opportunities for networking, uh, both on and offline. I think networking is so important Mm. um, in this field. And personally, I have found the compliance and financial crimes communities, including on LinkedIn even, to be very welcoming and helpful Mm. and just really Mm -hmm. great resources. So I would encourage people to use those. Um, Aside from that, there are lots of great free resources online, different organizations, including FinCEN publishes advisories. Mm -hmm. The Wolfsburg Group has a lot of documents they publish. Um, the FATF, even OFAC, the Office of Foreign Assets Control. So these organizations make a lot of their research available in free publications online that I think Mm -hmm. are great. And then um, finally, just to plug Mm -hmm. uh, Widener University, Delaware Law Mm -hmm. School, you know, we offer classes in Mm anti-financial crimes and corporate compliance programs. And these have been popping up all over the place too. So they're, they're really great resources as well. Awesome. Those are great ideas. Thank you so much. And I may have pushed you into answering this question a little earlier than I had anticipated, but um, what are some of the topical money laundering pitfalls, schemes, or risk areas that we should know about? Yeah, yeah. So um, the typical ones usually um, relate to um, things like being aware of where the source of funds is coming from, Mm -hmm. um, being aware of suspicious activity and different suspicious activity patterns, being aware of high-risk jurisdictions, those with weak AML regulations and controls. They are often exploited by criminals. Mm -hmm. And then risks related to transaction frequency and size. So I think it's really important to be aware of these know the red flags, understand the red flags, and just be, um, you know, very careful with online activity. Mm-hmm. 
um, from some of my um, very basic layperson knowledge that may be outdated or even potentially have always been incorrect, but it was my understanding that places like France and the United Arab Emirates can hold some high risk for money laundering. Um, in this current day and age, are there any countries, you know, when you mentioned sort of lower controls in terms of um, uh, money laundering, um, are there certain countries that we need to to be aware of that do tend to have lesser management of this issue? Yeah. So um, what you're going to be looking for, and and oftentimes, you know, people think of, you know, third world countries that historically have had weak or lax AML controls and weak or lax AML enforcement. Mm -hmm. But we're finding, and anybody who's, um, you know, read about the shell companies and and um, evasion of sanctions through legal entities, um, knows that it's not just those countries. It could mm -hmm. even be um, leading jurisdictions like the U.S. and the U.K. and even Australia, mm. um, where money laundering activity takes place. I mean, those are a target for criminals because the U.S. dollar, for example, is very strong and the U.S. Mm. financial system um, is a very safe place to keep your money. Mm. So criminals also look for that as well. So uh, also the U.S. legal system is pretty transparent and developed so um, th these are just areas that, you know, you might not expect mm -hmm. um, to be top areas for high risk, but they can be as well. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. I think cryptocurrency is something that whether you've made the step into purchasing it or not yourself and, and are investing in it, it's something that's going to be a part of our lives now in some shape or form. Can you tell us about how AML risks um, with cryptocurrency might emerge? Yeah. So when it comes to cryptocurrencies, it's their relative anonymity and the fact that cryptocurrencies are not yet universally re regulated, mm -hmm. especially as compared to the stringent global regulations mm -hmm. and strict requirements and obligations that are placed on financial institutions. So these things, the anonymity and the lack of regulation makes cryptocurrencies highly susceptible to money laundering. Mm -hmm. um, even That being said, however, cash transactions are still far more often used in money laundering activity than our cryptocurrencies. But that doesn't mean that cryptocurrencies aren't used or can't be used for illicit activity because they certainly can. So therefore, institutions that accept this form of payment or process crypto transactions have to be sure to have the appropriate controls in place, even if the regulations are still not quite there yet. Mm -hmm. um, and again, a lot of the risks associated with cryptocurrency are going to fall into the same categories as other money laundering risks associated with traditional uh, currencies. So you have to be careful about the source of your crypto assets and uh, be careful to try to ensure that they're not tied to any kind of illicit activity. Uh, you have to be careful with high-frequency transactions of large sums coming from multiple different crypto wallets, for example, especially in a single period of time, or crypto wallets that don't match customer profiles. Again, areas with weak AML regulations are more likely to be exploited, even in crypto transactions. And then just um, transactions uh, being below reporting thresholds, consecutive high value transactions within a single short period of time, things like that. 
Um, so again, my training tip here is not to simply train your employees on cryptocurrency red flags, but to walk them through a crypto transaction from start to finish so they can really understand practically how these currencies are used and misused. And this is a much more useful um, tactic than simply memorizing a static list of red flags without any context. Mm. And um, I, I take it that regulators are already starting to discuss how they can tighten up um, managing the risks and better regulating cryptocurrency. Is that what you're hearing in your world? Yes, yes, exactly. So, you know, all laws and regulations are, you know, kind of follow what's going on in real life at a little bit of slower pace. It takes a long time to pass these things, but but we're getting there and, and definitely jurisdictions are starting um, to regulate um, this area. Wonderful. I, I think one of the um, things that's really changed our world in the last few decades has been um, acts of terrorism. And uh, one of the reasons why really caring about money laundering is important is that um, it can form a, a feed for t terrorist activities. So can you help us to understand how does money laundering play into combating the financing of terrorism? Yes, sure. And I devote a chapter of um, in my book to terrorist financing. Mm -hmm. So the financing of terrorism has many connections with money laundering. And as a compliance professional, it's really important to understand the areas of overlap, as well as the differences um, between money laundering and um, terrorist financing, because both threaten financial institutions and other businesses. So terrorists like other criminals need to finance their illicit activities and need to finance their operations. These funds must be moved. They must be laundered. In fact, terrorists exploit the financial system in the same ways as money launderers do often and often rely on money laundering to conceal their other illicit activities and employ the same techniques as launderers and other criminals. So as a result, terrorist financing and money laundering often exhibit the same red flags in many cases. And financial institutions, which unfortunately serve as the entry point for illicit funds, are a target. And they're uniquely suited because of their role to monitor, detect, and report suspicious activity related to terrorist financing. So a solid AML compliance program will also help in the detection, prevention, and management of activities related to terrorist financing. Great. Thank you for that. Um, and what's your best, in a nutshell, tip for compliance officers to prevent money laundering in their organizations? Yeah. So compliance officers, their main job is to help organizations manage risk, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the most effective ways to manage risk is through proper employee training. Most compliance officers already know that it's crucial to uh, tailor or customize the training for your organization and to ensure that training is timely. But it's also important to make the training relatable for your audience, as we've talked about. Mm -hmm. um, to make training more relatable, 
Uh, don't forget to explain technical terms. Sometimes compliance officers use these on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. and they don't realize the audience may not be familiar with some of these. So it's important, you know, just explain basic technical terms, legalese, compliance jargon, right? In compliance, we have so many abbreviations and acronyms, you know, that we throw out all the time, AML, OFAC, KYC, CDD. It's important to explain these. Um, also provide context and even some background, even a little bit of historical background about why we have laws and regulations in place, I think makes the information more relatable and helps um, the audience retain what they're learning because they can have a context to it. Um, explain why certain procedures are in place within your organization and what those procedures are meant to accomplish. Um, Consider using recent cases from the news to illustrate, you know, what you're talking about or even examples of noncompliance within your organization and how it was handled, how it could be prevented, what channels employees should go through, things like that. Wonderful. Well, for more of uh, Ola's um, insights on training and compliance, please don't um, hesitate to check out Sending the Elevator Back Down, grab yourself a copy. And Ola, I believe you have a generous and exciting offer for our listeners today. Yes. For anyone who's interested um, in ordering my book, I can offer a code to your listeners. The code is TGUF, and that will get you 30% off uh, a print mm. copy of the book if you order directly from the publisher, which is Georgetown University Press. So you could go to the Georgetown University Press website, and when you order a print copy, just enter the code TGUF for 30% off. Wonderful. And again, that's the flow of illicit funds, a case study approach to anti-money laundering compliance by Ola Tucker. Thank you so much, Ola. I can tell that you're associated with um, a tertiary educational institute because your way of conveying information is just so clear, concise, and to the point. You're not a rambler. You can really yeah. efficiently um, get your message across. So um, thank you so much for taking the time with us today. We're really pleased to feature you, pleased for the partnership we already have with you. And uh, thank you so much for sharing and, and best of luck with your uh, book and Congratulations again for this momentous milestone in your life. Thank you, Mary. Thank you for having me on. And thank you for everything you do for women in compliance. I think that's wonderful. Thank you so much. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Great Women in Compliance. We hope you'll join us in honoring the great women in the compliance field by subscribing to this podcast and leaving a review. 